It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to be joined by my guest today, all the way from the Gold Coast in Australia, is John J.D. Dwyer. He's the CEO of the Institute of WOW. And we're going to talk about what that means here. J.D., John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. Glad to be here. Yeah. So take a minute, maybe introduce yourself, uh, tell us how you got your start doing what you're doing. Okay, okay. Look, I've been around uh, a few decades in the marketing uh, game, and uh, when I left school, I was uh, pretty handy with uh, with artwork, and I could see this thing called the computer age coming along, and realised that I couldn't make too much money out of artwork, and decided to uh, morph into the advertising and marketing game. So I did my college degrees in advertising, and uh, was lucky enough to get jobs with some major retailers in Australia, um, who were very good at taking uh, consumer eyes off the price. Um, one of these companies <laughs> happened to be yeah, one of these companies happened to be a big car, uh, like a Macy's in America, I guess. Right. And they they taught me that uh, that yeah, price discounting should be left to uh, the WalMarts of this world and Costco's. And uh, as it turned out, I fell in love with um, I guess the model that I saw happening, which was being able to take people's eyes off the price. And and that's where I am now. I, I own a um, I own a marketing advisory business called the Institute of Wow, and it's all about creating wow factors to take your clients' eyes off the price because the last thing you want to do is market your products or services on price unless your business is designed like Walmart. Okay. So one yeah. of the things that that you, know, you, you talk about is, and I wanted to cover this up front, is, is you had uh, interesting interaction with uh, an American celebrity that you uh, convinced to represent one of your products. Thank you very much, Andy. You've been able to let me do the big name drop early in the interview. Yeah, yeah. Goodness, mate. Wow, it's good to speak. I've got it. I've got the Pope's name in my pocket. I'll be bringing that out after this one. But uh, yeah, I was I was lucky enough a few years ago to get Jerry Seinfeld, uh, the Jerry Seinfeld, to actually represent a, a banking client of mine here in little old Australia, and it was quite a coup because Seinfeld's only ever done two advertising campaigns before, and that was for American Express and Microsoft, uh, companies that were a little bit bigger than this relatively modest sized bank in Australia. And uh, when I asked why did he do it, because you and I both know he's got more money than God. Um, he just said to me that no one else had asked him from Australia and he quite enjoyed Australians' uh, sense of humor. <laughs> so, so, so tell us the story. What was the bank? What was the campaign? Why did you think about Jerry Seinfeld and, and what was your pitch to Jerry Seinfeld? Yeah, okay, okay. I'll do the quick version. Uh, uh, around about the year 2000, uh, I, I end up getting a client called the Greater Building Society in Australia. And look, I, I refer to them as a bank, but they're a building society. And uh, many of your listeners would know that building societies and credit unions tend to um, attract a working class audience, whereas a bank tends to attract a collar and tie. And uh, so therefore, what I did for this particular building society was assist them in taking the eyes off the price. And uh, we brought in a campaign where we said, look, get a home loan from the Greater Building Society, in other words, swap from those nasty banks who are charging you all those fees and treating you like a number, and we'll give you a free vacation. And uh, it was an incredibly successful campaign that ran for 11 years. Uh, not once did that building society ever advertise in that 11 years an interest rate. Can mm -hmm. you believe it? 
Sure. The only bank, the only bank in the world. All they did is that we came on TV and said, "Get a home loan and get a free vacation." And uh, particularly when you're gearing up towards a working class audience, um, that really, really, really worked very well. And towards the um, latter part of the period that I was involved with this building society, because I was doing their marketing for them uh, as a consultant for about eleven or twelve years, but towards the latter stage, they said, "Look, we would like to take our brand persona up a little bit. Can we get into white collar workers outside of you know basically working class people?" And I said, "Well, if you do that, then." perhaps there's a quick way of doing it and that is uh, associate yourself with a, a personality a celebrity who would be able to escalate that very fast and uh, cut a long story short we put a survey out and i was hoping that some relatively easy celebrity in australia might come up number one which means that i could i could easily ring him up or her up and get them but of course just my luck uh, seinfeld came up number one um uh, robin williams came up number two and jim carrey came up number three <laughs> <laughs> okay yep so and look, the reason so what was the pitch to Seinfeld to get him involved then? I mean, that, do you have to go through his agent? I mean, how did you even contact him? Yeah, look, uh, he's represented by creative artists out of uh, Hollywood, uh, as many of them are. And uh, I had been down that track once or twice before in my time and found that it's a long, 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 long you know, track. And so I decided to uh, cheat, if you like, and uh, I contacted George Shapiro, who has an office in uh, Beverly Hills, just off Rodeo Drive. And I knew that he would probably not take my phone call. So I sent uh, an email over on the Tuesday. And then late on the Tuesday night, your time, it would have been 1 a.m., 2 a.m. in the morning, I left a voice mail on his um, uh, telephone because I George, knew- George Shapiro is... Oh, I'm sorry, I should have highlighted that. George Shapiro is the half of Shapiro West who actually produced the Seinfeld show. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, so therefore, George Shapiro discovered Jerry Seinfeld about 40-something years ago, and George would be in his 70s now, and uh, he's been beside Seinfeld you know, for all that time. And he and his partner, Howard West, um, basically produced the, the, uh, the Seinfeld program. Okay. Right. So. So anyway, having having sort of researched that and found out that, you know, George Shapiro was the man that probably could get to Jerry, I actually left a voicemail message for him at two in the morning with my very best crocodile Dundee accent. Um, I, don't think, I, yeah, I don't, don't, don't think you have to work hard on that. No, I don't. No, I don't. So it was it was, it was all the Steve Irwin crikeys and uh, g'day, George. Look, it's uh, John DeWine from Australia down under. Mate, look, we've just sent you an email to ask whether or not Jerry might be interested in becoming a spokesperson for a bank here in Australia that happens to be a client of mine, blah, 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 blah. And uh, you wouldn't believe it. Um, two days later, not the next day, but two days later, I happened to be in the Greater Building Society's office and the phone rang. And uh, it was an office that they kept aside for me as a consultant when I came down uh, from the Gold Coast of Sydney. And the phone rang and I thought it was a gotcha call. I really didn't think it was George Shapiro because the girl said, look, I've got George Shapiro on the line. I'd like to speak to you. And I went, yeah, OK. Um, and I'm normally the one that would have super glued the phone to the handset in the <laughs> right, office. Right, right, to do that, right. <laughs> so I thought I thought this was payback. I just thought one of the guys in the office was getting back at me because I treated George with, you know, not the best of respect for the first 30 seconds or 60 seconds. Um, and then I realized it was the real deal and I let him in on the secret that I thought it was a gotcha call. Well, he's got a stupid sense of humor. And we got on like a house on fire. And, you know, 30 minutes into that first phone conversation, the name Seinfeld never even came up. Um, it was just a really nice fun larrikin conversation and then he said look leave it with me and i'll put it to jerry and uh, you wouldn't believe it two days later we get an email from george who said uh, look jerry thinks it might be fun to make fun of the banks because what i asked him to do the premise of the campaign was to distinguish the greater building society not only as a result of the free vacation but also distinguish them from the 40-ton gorillas, which were the very, very, very big right. banks in Australia. A little bit like your Wells Fargo, to right. distinguish them from Wells Fargo. And Jerry said, look, I like uh, challenger brands. I like taking on the big boys, and I love 
the old sense of humor and say, let's do it. And that was it. Huh. Amazing. So did he come to Australia to shoot the commercial? No, everybody thought that he did. But um, uh, as it turns out, in Jerry's contract, he cannot fly anywhere on a commercial plane. So if he has to travel more than 50 miles from home, you have to give him a Learjet. And uh, we, we, just, we decided that we could find a little a little town that was 49 miles away from uh, the New York. Uh, he lived in the Hamptons in New right, York. So right. we, found, we found a little town called Cedarhurst, which was 49 miles sure. away from where he lived. And, uh, yeah, we found a, a, a beautiful, empty delicatessen, and we shipped over all the Greater Building Society signage, and we built a Greater Building Society branch in the middle of Cedarhurst, which is in New York. <laughs> <laughs> and and Jerry stood outside the Greater Building Society and did stand-up. The, the whole premise was that Jerry had come back uh, to do live comedy outside the Greater Building Society's branch, and, of course, all the shoppers are walking past and couldn't give a, you know what, and uh, and that was part of the humour of the whole thing. He, he set up his own microphone, his little speaker, he was out busking in front of the greater buildings. <laughs> so was it a successful campaign? Wildly successful, absolutely off the planet insane. Uh, the Greater Building Society here in Australia tripled their home loan market share in the first 18 months. Wow. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yeah, there you go. And, you know, I guess really it, it shows if you put a wow on top of a wow, which I guess you'd call a, a whopper wow, um, then, you know, the sky's the limit because we had get a home loan, get a free vacation, and then you put something like a superstar with Seinfeld next to it, and the thing just went nuts. And not only went nuts because of the campaign was quite clever that, that it was put together. By the way, I'm not taking a lot of credit for this. I would write the TV commercials, and Jerry would throw them in the rubbish bin and start again. <laughs> well, hey, he, I, he's a pro at that. So, so let's talk about so your business you call the Institute of Wow, which, you know, it's meant the wow in this case, meaning the wow factor, you know, something that's really, really different. So, yeah, you know, I would think in general, most entrepreneurs and business owners set out to be different. I mean, what, what, where, where are they missing the ball? You know what, Andy, I think they do set out to be different, but 90% of them aren't. Uh, they live in a sea of sameness. So I'm putting a marketing campaign together at the moment for a removalist company in Sydney, and uh, they have the big bulky gorillas that, you know, come and pick up your furniture and take it into state for you when you move your home. And uh, when I've compared him against all of his other competitors, guess what? They're all the same. Uh, they would scare the daylights out of any woman who was booking a removalist company because when you get onto their website, they all look like Mike Tyson. Um, and, of course, they all sell on price. They all say that we'll beat any other genuine price, which is exactly the game that you don't want to be in. And right. uh, this, partic this particular guy said to me, what do I do? I said, you've got to stand out from the crown. And if you don't have a, a unique wow factor like Apple iPhone, you've got to create an artificial wow factor like the free vacation. Um, so in the instance of the home loan business where the money looks exactly the same you get from one bank to the other bank, you need to create a Happy Meal toy. Right. And uh, I, I, when I convinced the bank to do this, I just threw a Happy Meal box uh, on a McDonald's Happy Meal box in the middle of the boardroom table. They all laughed because they had known that I was a bit sarcastic. And they said, OK, what's this all about, smart Alec? And I pulled out the Disney toy. And I said, if there's any own, uh, sorry, parents or grandparents in the room here, and of course there were around mm -hmm. the management table. Sure. Order, I said, I'll give you $100. You guys are all bankers. I'll give you $100 for anyone that can tell me what a Happy Meal costs. And you know what, despite the fact that they've all bought Happy Meals for their children or grandchildren, not one of them got within a dollar of what a Happy Meal costs because McDonald's took our eyes off the price. Right. So what are you doing for the moving company? 
Well, for the moving company, in fact, uh, I, I had to uh, sort of go back on, you know, the holiday, what we call holiday, but you guys call it vacation. But it could very well be that if you choose uh, this particular removalist company, um, what we'll do is give you a beautiful weekend away um, on the Gold Coast. Now, as I mentioned to you earlier, Andy, the Gold Coast is the Orlando of Australia. So to, when somebody's spending ten, fifteen thousand dollars on a removalist, um, and you, know, you can get a holiday to the Gold Coast for two people for five, six, seven hundred dollars, then I would throw in uh, a holiday or vacation to the Gold Coast, or I would send in, uh, I'd throw in maybe a year's worth of gold passes to the local cinema. Uh, I would do anything that you need to do in terms of an artificial wealth factor to take um, Mrs. Customer, because it's a lady who makes the decision on removal list all the time, uh, anything you have to do to take her eyes off the price. It may even be a 12-month subscription to the local hair salon, but you've got to take her eyes off the price and onto the value. So you have a framework for creating the wow factor. Um, I want to sort of take through that so people understand. So what, what's the first thing you need to sort of focus on when you're trying to say, okay, maybe I've got a product, I feel like it's a little bit of a me too product. How do I create this wow factor? What's the first thing you got to focus on? Number one, I've got a, the five five step system, and um, the reason I mentioned that Andy up front because I know on podcasts whoever might be listening to this, if I said that I had a twenty nine point system, you would have just lost half your audience. <laughs> so, <laughs> it always five it parts, always, and each each part has five subparts. Yeah, but yeah, right. <laughs> it always scares me whenever I've been to a conventional seminar and the guy up front with the microphone goes, "I've got a thirty two point program." <laughs> oh, just kill me, just kill me. Um, so look, it's just five. It's just five points, and they're pretty simple. Number one is uh, just identify your most profitable customer, and then look for more people who look like him. Pretty simple. Um, and, and in this instance, right. And I mean, the so, logic being is that you you need to have margin. <laughs> you need to have room in your margin to be able to afford the the wow. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So therefore, that's that's why you want your most profitable customer. Right. A lot of people say, uh, like a hair, hair salon uh, owner might say, well, my customers are females predominantly. And I will say, no, uh, do they drive a BMW? Do they have 2.3 children? Do they have an average income of $200,000 in the house? And do they get their hair done more likely uh, every two weeks instead of every four weeks? And when you go through that interrogation, all of a sudden, the most profitable customer pops out at the other end. Um, so that's number one, identify your most profitable customer. And number two is create that wow factor to take their eyes off the price. And uh, I guess the best way of explaining that to everyone, Andy, is that I've got six children and they're 18 into late 20s now, so they don't want McDonald's Happy Meals anymore. But at one stage, my wife and myself um, you know, would have spent $6 billion on Happy Meals. <laughs> you, may, you, may, you may have done, right? And uh, I couldn't tell you what the price was because the kids threw the hamburger out for the free Disney toy, and that's what it's all about. So it's create a wow factor. Okay? Well, so but, and, the, but there's so it's stop there though. So there's got to be some some science though, to some degree, between behind how you choose what it is that's going to have the appropriate impact on the customer. Um, yep. So yep. so you know how do you how do you brainstorm that? How do you work with the customer to come up with something that you know a they can afford and b really fits the marketplace. Yeah, exactly. And, and look, it's horses for courses. Um, there are some evergreen uh, wow factor uh, bonuses that work every single time, and they happen to be uh, vacations, uh, fuel discounts, as in gas discounts. Um, and if you have an over-18 audience, uh, alcohol, and I'm not being funny there, but if uh, you have an over-18 audience, then alcohol is a winner and you're talking to someone who's tested everything i've tested plasma tvs refrigerators lawnmowers you name it i've tested the whole lot of them um and those evergreen products are successful because they're uh, appealing to all ages and both sexes 
Um, so for, I'll give you a classic example. I have a turf farm, uh, as in they sell grass, mm. and uh, and they uh, had six miles worth of turf uh, when they introduced themselves to me and said, look, uh, we've got to get rid of it because the season is changing. We've got to get rid of that turf so we can plant more turf for the next season. And I said, well, how are you marketing yourselves? And they said, well, $5 a square um, metre. We call metres in Australia. You guys have got yards, but let's mm. say it's $5 a square metre. And I said, and I bet you the uh, landscapers, when they ring up, because they're the people who buy most of the grass, off you say that they can get it down the road for four dollars fifty and then you have to drop your price to keep it he said exactly i said we well, want to get out of that game what do you think landscapers like and he said uh, i don't know you tell me and i said they like beer and they like particularly premium beer because they're normally a blue singlet worker who buys the normal traditional beer but if you offer them crown lager which in australia is a very upmarket beer i think they'll walk over broken glass so we actually sent out uh, we got a mail list of 500 landscapers we sent out to 250 landscapers a beautiful brochure and a letter which said that if you get your grass from us for every home's worth of grass you get from us we will give you a carton of crown lager premium beer now, the beer cost him $40, $40 for a carton, okay? Um, he rang me up eight days into the promotion and said to me, look, we've got a problem. And I said, what's that? He said, we don't have any more grass. And I said, <laughs> "I said, what, six miles worth of grass? He said, yeah. We, he said, I had the biggest pain in the backside landscaper who used to always bargain on price and say, look, I can get the turf down the road for less than what you can sure. give it to me. He rang up and ordered 22 homes worth of grass and said he didn't care when the grass got there, but he had a party on Friday. He needed the beer by then. <laughs> but what's what's sort of interesting, this is sort of the psychology that I wanted to dig into, is that yeah, he still could have gone and bought cheaper turf and used the money he'd saved to buy the beer himself. So why did he just go with, with your client? Well, it is the psychology. It's exactly that. Um, people in this day and age, because of the speed that we live in, make decisions pretty fast. And so, therefore, it's all about getting them with the Elvis found headline before they start to think um, laterally uh, about, well, if I've got it down the road for cheaper. It's, it's really the Happy Meal principle. I think the easiest thing to come back to all the time is that you and I both know that we could easily buy that hamburger and fries much cheaper somewhere else if we wanted to. But the fact is, is that we've got pester power, you know, pulling it at our shirt sleeve saying, I want the Disney toy. And it really is about making sure that we understand, particularly in the online world now, that we've got three seconds to capture their attention. And once we've captured their attention, we've got a little longer that we can convert them. But we've got to capture their attention in the first place. And if the Greater Building Society had said, like every other bank, home loans, four point something percent, they wouldn't have captured their attention anywhere like get a home loan, get a free vacation. Right. So I want to sort of think about this in the context because a lot of people listen to the show are professional salespeople. They're selling to other businesses. They're selling business products and so on. So how do they, how do they create their wow factor, right, as, as individuals in terms of not just their personal brand but, you know, as a salesperson these days in a business-to-business sale, you, you really are at the initial point of differentiation for your company. Yeah. So, so how, do you, how do they create their personal wow I think uh, you've heard this, Andy, from a thousand other people, I'm sure, but it's going beyond the normal call of duty, um, and you know what that means. Um, uh, that means, you know, whether it be you actually spending more time with them or actually giving them a bonus. I mean, the thing is, is that this direct response world that I live in is based on giving time limitations and scarcity as well. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know I don't know how many of the people listening to this right now might be in a sales role where they're simply giving a price and leaving it at that. Um, but the fact is that you will probably double your conversions if you say, look, I will give you an XYZ bonus if you make a decision by five o'clock on Friday. 
Um, so if you actually put a time limitation to something, that'll work for you. Or if you're in the business of scarcity, then that means that I've only got 52 of these available and once they're gone, they're gone. And I find that a whole lot of salespeople don't do what the car salesman does because you know and I know when you go to buy a car and if you ever do, you should go at the end of the month, not the beginning of the month because <laughs> the salesperson's got to be reach budget. Um, but when they say to you, look, if you make a decision right now, we'll give you free air conditioning, that's obviously the conversion tool that they're using. And I don't know how many of your listeners would be using scarcity or, um, or limitation in terms of quantity, but they should. Yeah, well, I think some do. I mean, there's some some business business sales that are very transactional, and certainly scarcity is, is is certainly appropriate in that type of time frame or that type of framework. But um, I was thinking in particular about you know people dealing with more relationship based sales that maybe take a little bit longer. That you know this this how you create differentiation is is really the key thing, right? Because in the mind's eye of the customers, even in complex business products these days, is that in the mind's eye of the customer, almost everybody looks alike, right? I yeah. mean, you could have yeah. it's really hard to maintain any sort of meaningful product differentiation. So in that environment, I thought you know it might be interesting to to explore is is how do you maybe have a sales cycle that takes six months, but how do you create that wow factor that differentiates you? and from the other competitors and it's something maybe you have to do relatively early in the sales process but then you also need to be able to maintain it over a period of time well that and look and and you'd be very familiar with the law of reciprocation and all that stuff if right. you do something nice for someone they feel that they're obliged to you know do something nice for you and um in my own instance i mean i'm selling um coaching programs uh, and so uh, i'm dealing with business owners mm-hmm. most of the time and these business owners are doing anything from hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of sales up to 20 30 50 million dollars and what i do to get their attention is always make sure that i provide them with a free something and uh, whether or not that's a free report or whether or not that's a free book uh, or whether or not that even might be a free 15-minute, um, you know, call with myself, mm-hmm. um, I make I make sure I go outside the uh, square by uh, proving to them um, that I practice what I preach because the world that I live in uh, is all about making sure that you do what the other guy doesn't do. Um, and I don't think enough people do that. I, I uh, You know what, 80% of websites out there at the moment don't have a data capture facility on the homepage. So it means is that they're letting anybody come to their dinner party and walk away and they have no clue who they are. Um, and so therefore, I would say that if you are a salesperson and you may think that setting up your own landing page is outside of your regular sort of domain, I'd say set up your own landing page. I mean, I've got an 18 and a 21 and a 22-year-old who are at college at the moment, and they're interested in photography and videos and all sorts of things. And I've convinced them recently to set up their own landing pages. And they said, why? We don't have a business. I said, set your own landing page up so that when you do pitch to someone that you want to work for them, um, then you can just send them to your landing page. And that can tell them all about you instead of the kid that's sending out the, you know, the letter to the, you know, to the, employer, the employer, which just has a photo of him on the right-hand corner and it's just a letter. So on their landing page, are they giving giving away any content? Um, look, they just to be honest with you, Andy, it's something that I've only beat them over the head with in the last month. In the last month, so they're in the process. Can you you know you know as well as I do that when they're eighteen, twenty, and twenty one, I am the biggest nerd in the world. Yeah, and. Yeah. 
Yep, and I've got to convince them. When they get to 25 or 26, which a couple of my other children are, and they've got mortgages, all of a sudden I'm smart for some reason. They come back and ask me for help. Uh, but at 18 and 21 and 22, they think any suggestion I give them is just so yesterday. Uh, but they're in the process, kicking and screaming of doing it at the moment. But all it would be is basically highlighting that, that they're in, uh, or whatever position they're in, the middle or the end of the, the, their college course, and that they would be a terrific prospect for a part-time job for this, 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 and this. Uh, and, of course, because they don't have a life experience at the moment, what they'd be doing is putting their qualifications from their schooling in mm-hmm. and a, a little bit of their interest. But basically, it's that this is your life on whatever life they've had. Well, sure. So when you're talking about that you know, personal landing page, really personal branding website, that's really LinkedIn is certainly what most people use these days for that. Um, and yeah, we've had lots of guests on the show talking about LinkedIn. But one of the things that's that seems clear is that most salespeople still aren't doing or professionals still aren't doing is is creating a unique brand experience for themselves on LinkedIn. No, they're not. They're not. And, uh, and, and you know, the, the LinkedIn one, um, I would say, is uh, what everyone has. And, and we've all got a LinkedIn profile, but everyone has a LinkedIn profile, but not everyone has their own landing page. And you can get your landing page put together in the Philippines these days for probably three or four or five hundred dollars. And what the landing page gives you the opportunity to do is even have a welcome video and so therefore you can just get your wife or your husband to put the iPhone in front of you and you can actually talk about the skills that you've got and why you would be so employable and and so valuable to an employer um, yeah, it's just crazy because at the end of the day, we're in such a great you know age these days from a technological point of view why wouldn't you spend three or four or five hundred dollars in the Philippines and get your own landing page yeah or I mean when you say landing page you're really talking about a personal website <clears throat> excuse me yeah um, Okay, so we went through the first few steps of your your process mm-hmm. in terms of identifying your target market, create your wow tactic, um, and then you talk about the problem solution tactic. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, look, uh, everybody buys a solution to a problem, and it doesn't matter whether you're going to see your doctor or your dentist uh, or whether you are getting a removalist to take your furniture to the next house for you. The fact is is that they are solving a problem, and I guess when you look at uh, Neurofan on TV these days, in, in the old days, Neurofan headache tablets uh, would have a picture of the box and they would uh, tell you that there was paracetamol and codeine in the tablet. Well, we don't much care about that these days. We just want our headache gone in 10 minutes. So what happens on the TV advertisement these days is that the lady comes home from school, the kids are running right in the kitchen, she rubs her forehead because she has a headache and she actually takes a tablet with a glass of water and there's a little clock in the corner of the TV screen that goes around for 10 minutes, tick, 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 tick. And in 10 minutes, not only is she prettier because she's got lipstick and blush on now, <laughs> but the kids are well behaved and the headache has gone. Mm-hmm. And it's all about it's all about theatrically uh, highlighting to your audience that you are the solution to the problem. So if you're Putting together your marketing campaign, think of what your prospects' problems are and make sure that you deliver the solution in your marketing messages. Well, yeah, and the same thing obviously is true in sales. I mean, it's is you have to be focused on what is important to the buyer, not what you're about. Um, Dead right. Yeah, Dead right. which is, is problematic oftentimes in, in sales and marketing. Now, interesting you say people pay more to reduce a pain, um, pay more compared to. Getting pleasure. Getting pleasure. Yep. Get it right. So people will pay much more money to uh, eliminate pain than they will pay to enjoy pleasure. So would they pay even more to ensure they never experience that pain again? Absolutely. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and that's why your psychiatrists out there are earning so much money uh, because they've <laughs> <laughs> they've helped they've helped eliminate it in the first place, but they've given you enough scary statements that it might come back again if you don't keep on seeing them every month. Yeah, well, that's true. I thought about that. Yeah, yeah. When, when does therapy ever end? <laughs> yes, I don't think it. Well, if it's a smart psychiatrist, it never does. <laughs> it never does, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, JD, in this last segment of the show, I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And the first one is a hypothetical scenario. Sort of put you to the test a little bit here. So, in this hypothetical scenario, you've just been hired as the new vice president of sales for a company whose sales have stalled out. And you know, they flatlined, plateaued, and the CEO of the company has put you in charge of turning things around. So what two things would you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Okay. And did you say this was a, I'm not sure, Andy, whether you said it was a bigger company. Was it a bigger company or could, small company? Could be whatever you want. Okay. 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 Well, first of all, if sales have flatlined, I'd have a look at the competition, uh, the landscape, uh, and, and this is pretty much what I do for a living. When I have a client come on board, as a, you know, the first thing I do is have a look at their competitors and have a look at the landscape, and I would see whether or not there's any Coca Colas in the industry. In other words, forty-ton gorillas mm-hmm. um, that have a massive market share, and then have a look at how much market share is left for all of the others, um, knowing full well that it's probably going to be much easier to steal the market share from the others than it is from the 40-ton gorilla Coca-Cola. Um, and once having done that, and of course, you know, understood who my competitors were, um, have a look at what they're doing from a sales and marketing point of view, and make sure that what I do is different. And so I guess point number two, after you know checking the landscape, is point number two would be to create a sales plan um, that I, I know this sounds boring because I've already said it in the first part of this interview, but but it doesn't concentrate on price. In right. other words, I'd put together a sales plan that would talk all about um, solving problems for people, uh, those people being my target audience, of course. And then what I would do is um, make sure that all of our sales and marketing activities were not price-based, unless it was Walmart. But, I mean, most businesses aren't. So, therefore, yeah. it would it would be identifying the landscape, identifying the uh, opportunity to steal market share, whether that's from the little people or the 40-ton gorilla, and then creating a marketing or sales plan that's not based on price but based on benefits. All right. So now some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answers if you want or elaborate. So the first one is when you, JD, are out selling your services, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Um, um, probably saying why not instead of why. Okay. Well, like that. Okay. Um, who's your sales role model? Um, probably Zig Ziglar. Yeah, probably Zig Ziglar. Okay. So yeah. if you'd recommend one book that every sales and marketing person should read, what would that be? And I'm going to be a sarcastic answer here. There's this guy called John DeWire in Australia that has one called uh, How to Wow. But, but other, than, <laughs> other than your own. Yeah, other than my own. Uh, look, uh, because he's so close to the mantra that I preach, uh, I'd have to say uh, Seth Godin, the purple cow, because it's very close to the wow factor thing that I preach. Okay. All right. Seth Godin, Purple Cow. Okay, last question for you. So what music's on your playlist these days? Um, it shows my vintage being in my late 50s. Uh, it's the Beatles, uh, Bee Gees, and uh, Michael Bublé. Michael Bublé, okay. Yeah. No, uh, no Australian acts? 
No, not really. I mean, we've got quite, you know, you, we, we take ownership of anyone who's become successful. So that d- despite the fact the BGs were born in England, they lived in Australia so for a long true. while. So, so we say, oh, the BGs were Australian. But no, look, and, and I know that whoever's listening to this is going to say, oh, how corny are you? But yes, if Olivia Newton-John came on the radio, I'd probably listen to it. All right. <laughs> God, haven't heard that in a long while. <laughs> All right. So, well, JD, thanks for joining me. Tell people how they can find out more about you and connect with you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, look, uh, we have uh, a website, and the website uh, is theinstituteofwow.com. And if anyone would like to enjoy a a free uh, webinar, and uh, do your listeners, do you feel, would enjoy listening to more of this sort of stuff? Sure, make the offer. Good. Okay. Well, therefore, if you wanted to go to a free webinar where I go through my five-step program, it's completely free. All you need to do is go to wheelofwow.com. So that's wheelofwow.com, and you can register for a video which runs uh, daily, normally um, your time, at 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. at night. So if they wanted to really get a grasp on this stuff, wheelofwow.com. Okay. And they get a free vacation with that? (laughs) <laughs> get a free vacation to Australia with that. Wouldn't that be, I'll tell you what, there's a very good chance I'd have a good visitation to that website if I threw in a free vacation to Australia. <laughs> All right, so maybe not a free vacation. Maybe if you actually buy from JD, you'll get that free vacation. All right. All right, well, JD, thanks very much for participating in the show. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And easy way to do that is take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, JD Dwyer, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.